If I could have listeners walk away from this podcast with one takeaway, it would be piggybacking off of those three mistakes, boiling it down to one thing. It's that localization is so much more than just translation. And actually, you're wasting your time and money if you're just translating content you've created for one market into another language. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm today's host, Joe Delamere, and I'm super excited to talk to Megan Morreale about building a global content machine. Megan is Taboola's Director of Online Marketing, and she manages a team of marketing experts that handle global production of all content, social media channels, and paid campaigns. She's a regular contributor to sites like Medium's Entrepreneur's Handbook and Better Humans, The Content Strategist, Content Marketing Institute, SEM Rush, Vox Media, and Instapage, and has ghostwritten pieces for many executives on sites like CNBC.com and The Independent. Megan, I'm super excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm very excited to be here. I know. We can't wait to jump in. So why don't we just kick it off and why don't you tell me a little bit about what you're up to these days? Yes, absolutely. So these days I run Taboola's online marketing team, as you said, and Taboola focuses mainly on two things, advertisers and publishers. But my team's biggest focus is supporting marketers who want to advertise in places other than just Facebook and Google, which is most advertisers' platform addiction of choice. Our role, the online marketing team's role, is to develop campaigns that reach new advertisers and digital properties on the other side, like news sites, blogs, online magazines, the list goes on, who will be able to grow their businesses by working with us. Um, And we sit in a complex space. So a lot of what we do is focus on telling the right stories to the relevant people, as all marketers do. And we do that in a lot of different ways, but it includes managing the content calendars for a blog and social media channels, copywriting for a website, campaigns that generate leads like ebooks and interactive websites, product web pages, webinars, ad campaigns, all those fun things. And one of the most critical parts of our job, outside of making sure that our campaigns meet our goals, is to work with our global teams, our global marketing team, to localize those campaigns so that our brand storytelling stays consistent, but relevant in every country where we operate. One example of that, and maybe you've heard, but Google is cracking down on third-party data, more specifically cookies. Cue the cookie monster images we've all seen everywhere lately. Um, And Taboola is a natural fit to be part of this conversation. We have a strong story to tell about contextual targeting and the greater context of our ad placements. So we wanted to work with this idea of context and working with an extremely creative agency and our U.S. marketing team. We eventually settled on a campaign tagline, context is king, which was a play off the commonly heard marketing phrase in the U.S., content is king. Um, But we had to adapt it in small ways depending on where we were in the world. Some translations read something like, context is king, queen, and the whole royal family. Um, Others might have read something like, context will be advertisers' new North Star. When it came to the content itself, we had to take into consideration country-specific data privacy laws and how they affected the cookie list story, local advertising climates, how the images would be received in different regions. And today, we have a strong process for localization when it comes to the online marketing campaign specifically, which is something I'm really proud of. We support campaigns today in seven different languages and 13 different countries across the Americas and and APAC. It wasn't always easy, though. We went through a lot of trial and error to make it work. That is amazing. And I personally love the the tagline, context is king. 
Good, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned, you know, trial and error to make it work. I'm curious, were there mistakes you'd made along the way? And like, if you had any kind of key learnings or lessons coming from those mistakes, what can our audience learn from that? So many mistakes. <laughs> but if I had to pick though, I, there are three big ones that we learned a lot from. Uh, the first and probably one of the biggest pain points was the timeline. We had to figure out when to actually create campaigns that take into account global differences. So we cover a lot of seasonal consumer events that are relevant to advertisers like Black Friday, Mother's Day, summer travel, back to school, auto sale season. And as a team that's based in the US, we had to take into account that Mother's Day, for example, in some European countries happens two months before it does in the Americas. Or also that you know, that summer travel season happens at the opposite time of year in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, holiday shopping was another complex one. It's a big globally relevant event at the end of the year, but in very different ways depending on where you are. In the US, we focus on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. We also have things like Small Business Saturday and Prime Day to consider. Um, in Europe, they focus more on Christmas. In China, they focus on Singles Day. In Latin America, they focus on hot sale. So when we sit down to plan our holiday campaigns, we have to start a lot earlier than we would if we were just running a campaign in one country. And that took us a long time to figure out when in the calendar we needed to actually start those campaigns. Our second learning curve was not factoring in that we need to clarify certain phrases or metaphors that just don't make sense in other languages. I remember writing an ebook where we referenced the word headshots. And having translators reach out and ask me what they meant, because surely we weren't talking about shooting people in the head. Um, and it's okay to use local phrases like that. In fact, you know, I think you should in order to build a relatable brand. But since our central team created the content in English first, we had to have a process where we flagged those terms and remembered to explain them before sending them off for localization so they could be rewritten in a way that makes sense wherever you were. Um, it also holds for things like statistics. You know, we might be referencing data from a think tank like the National Retail Federation in the US, but that's not going to fly in the Japanese market. They need to find a new statistic that works for them. Or examples, we might show an ad from 1-800-Flowers for Valentine's Day if they were working from us, but someone in the UK might not recognize that brand as quickly as someone would in the US. So we take a look and make sure that we're flagging areas where we need to rethink those things depending on where you are in the world. Um, and the third learning curve, or actually in this case, big mistake, was thinking that we could do all of this as a central team and then hand off that content to the other countries and say like, okay, go ahead and localize it. So we learned that we need to connect with those countries who want to localize a specific campaign before we even start creating them. And I'll tell you another story to illustrate what I mean. Because Tabula partners with so many news and media companies, we have a lot of data on trending news stories in the countries where we operate. So I could tell you the biggest major news story in a country in a specific time frame, and we can flag trends as they happen. So at the end of the year, we like to do this infographic roundup of the top news stories across the world. And the first year we did this, it was a bit messy. As, you know, again, a central online marketing team who creates content in English first, we pulled all of the data in English and then wrote the copy for every country, thinking that we were being helpful and saying like, hey, we pulled the data for your country. We wrote the copy in English for you. All you have to do is translate it. But we didn't realize that when we pulled the data in English, which is like so obvious in retrospect, <laughs> the platform wasn't automatically translating different languages into English for us. So we were looking at data in France, 
only for people who are reading news stories in English in France, not in French. And because this, we totally missed the mark in many countries. We had spent all this time creating infographics in English, and it was a total waste of time. We had to backtrack, you know, pull the data again, work with local translators to build custom infographics. And we ended up with a beautiful set of infographics in the end, but it was pulling teeth to get there. And we certainly learned for next time. (laughs) That is, it's so interesting to hear, you know, how far beyond just simple translation it goes. And I think as we see the world, you know, quote unquote, getting smaller with digital transformation and the more connectivity, I think a lot of folks that are listening would be keen to hear if you have any advice, right? If they're starting to think about building similar programs, what things you would want them to keep top of mind to make sure they can build similar and strong programs across the globe. Yeah. If I could have listeners walk away from this podcast with one takeaway, it would be piggybacking off of those three mistakes boiling it down to one thing. It's that localization is so much more than just translation. And actually, you're wasting your time and money if you're just translating content you've created for one market into another language. You can purely translate things if you want to reach people who speak different languages in the same country. So if in the US, I want to reach people who live here but speak English, Spanish, and Chinese, it's worth working with a translator to just translate the assets I've already created for the US. But if you're localizing campaigns for different markets, you need to focus on what we call trans creation, which is a fancy way of saying recreate the campaign so that it sends the same message in each country. And for that, you need local creative talent, writers, designers, marketers, researchers. And a lot of this you can outsource, we do, or develop very structured internal processes so your internal team could do it. But either way, you won't be successful with just translation alone. We ran into this for the first time when we rolled out a local blog site in France specifically. And I'll never remember looking over a blog article that we created for the back to school season with geomarketing manager for France that year. And she was like, the data we pulled is for the US and we couldn't care less. The topics were off the mark for that country. The images showed examples from US companies like staples that people in France would never recognize. Plus, the creatives were in English and not French. There was just a whole bunch of issues. And it was the first time we sat there and realized that it would be more complex than we originally thought. And instead of just outsourcing this article to a translator, we would need to build a brief for somebody to recreate it for it to really be effective for the French market. So you've obviously had a lot of learnings when you just detailed the impact of kind of recreation from a French perspective. And I'm curious, like after having taken all these learnings, really understood, what do your programs look like today? Yeah, so today our process really has five major steps. Planning, creating, filing, which seems small but is important, localization, and then the tools that we use. So we have a system where we first we pre-plan across all of our marketing teams in all countries. They provide us with a wish list. Some of those things are globally relevant and others aren't. Um, Then they tell us when those events happen and when they need those materials by. So we make a plan based on that information. Then we build the assets. We collect everything we need for a piece and create it for the U.S. market. And we flag things throughout that piece that are going to need localization. And then we collect all that information and make sure it's organized and easily accessible for everyone. This is Such a critical part of this that seems really small, but has made the biggest difference for our localization efforts. We were constantly answering questions like, where'd you get those images? Can I pull that data from my country? Where can I find a similar statistic? And being organized helped us waste a lot less time all around on both sides for localization. 
And then we outsource the content using local talent and content creators in the country where that campaign is going to go live. And then our local marketing team reviews it, of course, and is the one to distribute it. Uh, my team also publishes everything on the technical side of things. So we have a very specific tech stack that we lean on to make sure we don't make any mistakes. There are some things that we have to consider in other languages that we don't in English. For example, in logographic languages like Chinese and Japanese, line breaks are very important, whereas they're not in alphabetic languages like Spanish, English, French. So we do rely a lot on our technical tools to help us there. And this whole process really does allow us to seamlessly localize content for any country around the world. That is incredible. I mean, because you think about the disparity between all the different languages and even like you mentioned, the graphic or the, you know, alphanumeric text or whatever it may be. And so I'm curious because if you think about this or think about breaking it down, are there different stages in a company's maturity where people should be thinking about things in particular and how to prepare themselves or how to avoid different hurdles that might pop up? Yeah, I would advise people to just think before they start localizing assets only because it will create a snowball effect. So when we started creating online marketing campaigns for Taboola, the company was a lot smaller than it is today. We were probably about 500 people worldwide. And most of the markets we consider mature today were still considered emerging markets for us back then. As the company grew and our marketing efforts matured, the processes we built for localization became a foundation for creating custom campaigns for new markets. You know, we might have said, okay, we're going to tackle the holidays because that truly is a global milestone, I'll call it. But sticking with the example in France, after launching a blog in that country, they don't just want to localize things that are global. They also want content related to locally important events like Macaron Day or Bastille Day. Um, I'm sure I didn't say that correctly, so I apologize. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> those those local milestones are just as important, especially for an emerging market. So just know that when you start a localization process, that you'll need to start supporting content creation for those specific countries as well. Absolutely. the sage advice. And so I think to switch gears just a little bit, you know, something along the lines of advice that our listeners are always excited to hear from experts like yourself is around like resourcing to follow. And so I'm curious, do you have any books or blogs or newsletters or really resources that you'd recommend our listeners check out? I do. Um, I really like DigiDay's WTF series. They break down complex topics in really easy to understand and honestly, sometimes very funny ways. When I first started working in ad tech, their programmatic one was really integral to my understanding of such a complex space. Um, but you can also find things, you know, on esports betting, the metaverse, hotel software, so much more depending on what industry you went, you're in. You do have to be a paid subscriber to access them, but I think it's worth asking for a company write off. Um, and my favorite marketing publications are the content strategist from Contently and the Content Marketing Institute, both, both of which I have contributed to in the past. And if you haven't subscribed to Tom Fishburne for his marketing cartoons, you have to. He hits the nail on the head in a way no one else does. And I laugh every time I see one in my inbox. I love that. I'm sure our listeners will too. I'm actually going to be shortly going to Digiday and the Mark Cartoonist after this podcast. And so what about people? Like on that same line of thought, are there three or so people in your network that you'd recommend maybe we bring on the show or that folks follow to be able to, you know, learn and really absorb their knowledge? Yeah. So um, one of my good friends, Diane Bickle, works for Spotify and leads the marketing team there for their pub business. She is truly one of the most creative and effective people I've ever worked with and is an extraordinarily intelligent marketing mind. 
Um, Karen Gurm leads marketing at Curve Interactive and has one of the best business and PR noses out there. And then I, for a third, Stephanie Marino, who leads Zillow's DEI strategy, is an incredibly effective and forward-thinking person that really gets DEI in business. Any of them would be fantastic. Those are excellent recommendations. We appreciate it. And I guess finally, how can our audience contact you if they ever want to learn more? Sure. I'm most active on Medium, LinkedIn, and Twitter. The handle's the same. It's at Megan Rose M, but you can also find me at MeganMorelli.com if you want to get in touch directly. Perfect. Well, Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed our conversation having you on the show. Again, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demandbase TV. 